Hi, this is Time Capsule, episode 189, and I'm Tony Talato. This is Batman. This is Kevin J. Anderson. Hi, this is John Delancey, and you are very lucky to be listening to Sci-Fi Talk. This is Terry Goodkind, number one New York Times bestselling author of the Sword of Truth series. This is Joseph Malazzi, former executive producer and writer on Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe, presently writer on Dark Matter. Hello, this is David Franklin, Lieutenant, sorry, Captain Bracker from Farscape. I'm Robert J. Sawyer, the Hugo Award-winning author of Flash Forward and Wake. Hi, this is Jamie Bamber. Hey, this is Katie Sackhoff. Hi, I'm Tom O'Panikin. I play Hilo on the hit television series Battlestar Galactica. And uh, you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. Scene one, Apple take two. This is John Billingsley. I play Dr. Flox on Enterprise. You are listening to the wonderful Sci-Fi Talk. I heartily endorse your attendance as a listener forever. Thank you. We're oh so close to the Avengers, and if you're like me, you've been enjoying those released clips, although it's been upstaged recently by the Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice trailer. Avengers held their world premiere recently, and from the red carpet is Robert Downey Jr. I mean, it's kind of overwhelming, but I mean, I really enjoy the whole promotion part of things, you know. And, um, and this year we got to do some fundraising for a cause that we really believe in, and then meet the person who won the, uh, the lottery for that. And, and that feels really good for Julius House, this Omaze um, fundraiser we did. So it's all fairly manageable. Avengers Age of Ultron opens next week. At a theater near you, I'm going IMAX on that one for sure. And check out my Avengers Age of Ultron videos available at SciFiTalk.com and on my YouTube channel. The Age of Adeline is about an ageless woman that lives through the centuries, played by Blake Lively. When I read this script, I couldn't put it down. Um, I, I read it so quickly, and it read almost like a really beautiful novel. Um, which uh, you don't always find with scripts. You know, scripts translate in a, in a very different way. Um, but the story was um, so romantic and so poetic and so unique. And um, you rarely f- read scripts about um, women who um, are at the center of the story. And, and not only that, but a woman who has lived for 100 years. Um, so it spanned so much time, she had so much experience and love and loss and pain and power and joy and uh, it was just such a beautiful journey and told in such a unique way that I was just dying to do this movie. It's now playing at your neighborhood movie house. And here is more with Charlie Cox and Rosario Dawson talking about the must-see Netflix series Daredevil from New York Comic Con. In a perfect world, this is what our, this is what our great hope is: is that is that this show will appeal to to audiences who aren't necessarily fans of Marvel or superhero fans. Um, it it feels to me like I, I really think that the. I, I'm cautiously optimistic that the fans are going to be really pleased with this show. I think it's really, it's really exciting and new and gritty and dark and different and 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 it, it ticks so many of the boxes that you want a superhero uh, uh, show to tick. Um, but at the same time, it kind of it, it's sophisticated enough that it, uh, the writing is that it feels like it's more like a uh, a crime drama with a superhero element like peppered on top. You know what I mean? So it's it survives not because of the superhero element. It survives despite despite it, if you know what I mean. It's almost like it's almost like it's an added bonus. Um, and so I, I guess really what I'm saying is that is, is that there is a chance that people who have never felt compelled to watch a superhero movie or read a comic 
could love this show and feel incredibly engaged and compelled by it. Mm -hmm. I love that. No, I think that's really beautiful. You know, when you get, I mean, you, for me thinking about it, it's like, you know, we're in the different sort of way of consuming entertainment, you know, and so, and, you know, it's, it's funny that we had that whole thing for so long and it's like, okay, actually it has to be a couple seconds or you have to make a really quick movie. It's got, everything's going to be fast. You've got to get to the entertainment and the action really fast, 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 fast. And instead we're going, no, no, let's actually take our time. Let's take our time with the origin story. Let's take our time with these characters meeting each other. Let's take our time even developing the costume, all these, all, all these different things that we normally have to rush through because we're, we're, we're grounding this in reality. And so this would, they'd go back and forth and go, this works better than that. And, and like, let's take that time. And so I love that, that we get that binge movie, you know, we get that binge sort of watching that you get on Netflix and you can sit there and watch all 13 episodes or you can pepper it out. You know, you can do that. We, I used to do that with comics. I'd wait and get like a bunch of comics right. in a row so that I could I, just get one once a week or whatever and then have to wait and be like the cliffhanger used to kill me. So I'd wait, you know, and get like stacks of comics from my friends or my family and just read the whole thing through or wait for the graphic novel to come out. So you get to have, like people get to play with this and, and consume it in the way that they want to. But when you're doing it in that way and you're, and you're doing it to this level and the way we film this and the care that we've taken with it, you're getting basically a 13-hour movie of Daredevil. Like, that's that's the level that it's taken to, and that's just remarkable. You yeah. know, instead of going, let's, not, let's rush through this, it's actually going, like, let's take our time and give you the movie. Let's give you the show that you want to experience. And that, to me, feels really special. You know, it's, it's um, you know, I'm joining the Marvel Universe. I've never really done television before, but this caught me because this makes sense as a fan this makes sense and 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 um i'm i'm really i know i'm i'm cautiously optimistic as well but i really feel like people are, the fans are going to really love it but everyone else is going to have an opportunity to fall in love with what i like about hero stories because it is so grounded it is so real you're going to feel compelled you're going to look and go oh my god am i the person who wouldn't even call 911 if i heard someone screaming or am I the person to run in? Or am I the person to run away and pretend I didn't hear? Like, who am I in that situation? You're not going to be able to not ask yourself those questions when you're watching this. And that's really cool. Look for Daredevil on Netflix, and they've just been renewed for season two. I have a big teaser this week. It's about the Geek Initiative. At first, Sci-Fi Talk, Geek Legacy, and The Full Bleed will be combining their content and adding premium content on a special site. We're also talking about having one podcast feed, including episodes of Time Capsule and my best interviews, along with podcasts from both Geek Legacy and The Full Bleed. Stay tuned for our official announcement coming very soon. It premieres on May 4th. Falling Skies will be here soon enough, and at the Tribeca Film Festival, I spoke to Jennifer Farron from The Following and Person of Interest, who returns to Falling Skies as Rebecca Mason. Tom Mason's wife. They're, they're wrapping it up, unfortunately. They are, they are. And, and they, my name's Jennifer Fair, and they brought me back uh, as Noah Wiley's wife, Rebecca. That's right. Yes. And this, this season, the final season, they brought me back for many, many episodes, playing a, playing a very exciting um, uh, storyline, which I can't reveal, unfortunately. Of course, of course. But it's, um, it's a pretty amazing way to end the show and end the series. Yeah, it's a little sad, you know, when it a series is. ends. I, that's the worst part of my job is when a series is over. I know, I know. And they're such an amazing group of people. They are. They're great. They're great. Noah's, like, amazing. He's honestly one of the most generous and uh, giving actors I've ever worked with. Oh, yeah. Great, great. yeah. Uh, what was the mood on the set, knowing that they, you know, I mean, they announced it at Comic Con, ironically, last year that they were wrapping up. So, how were they on the set? Did everybody like 
were they down or they were just kind of giving it all because they knew they're going to close it up? You know, I think this is a very hard working cast. Everyone was giving it their all. I think everyone was also very, it was bittersweet. You know, yeah. I think they were coming to an end. A lot of the, the boys who were my sons, <laughs> which is so strange, but they were, they played my sons. They could be my brothers, but, uh, but they were, you know, they grew up on the show. So I think they were, you know, a lot of them were, you were going to miss it. It's a wonderful cast. Yes. Yes. And Moon, I mean, she just is amazing. Oh, she's awesome. She's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're back, but even if it's only for the season, <laughs> I know. But, uh, I know. there's no prequel being planned or anything. Not yet, but there could be, maybe. So why well, have you here? Talk about uh, this movie. Yes, yeah, so this movie I'm so excited to see. I haven't seen it yet. Robin McCleavy and I are um, our castmates on Hell on Wheels. And yeah, um, and so she's one of my dearest friends. We've become very close, and I'm just really excited to support her and um, Adrian Brody. And it's yeah. it just looks like it's going to be very exciting, very thriller of a night. <laughs> I love Hell on Wheels. That's a, that's a really great spin on a western. I love. Yes. That. Oh, great, yeah, great. I'm so glad. And they're pretty cool. Yes. Well, yes. great to see you, you and too. good Thank luck so with uh, Falling Skies. Thank Hopefully, the, something else will come of it. You know. Yes. I know it has another show, so you never know. True. Librarian. Yes. 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 I met those. Guys you haven't. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thanks, man. All right, anytime. Jennifer Farron plays Louise Ellison on Hell on Wheels, and the film she was there for is Backtrack with Adrian Brody. Look for her on Falling Skies on TNT this summer. And also at the Tribeca Film Festival, I spoke to Jennifer Morrison of Once Upon a Time about her directing debut, Warning Labels, about two co workers from the Center for Disease Control who meet for drinks only to discover that love is the most hazardous thing of all. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? You know, you were, you charmed us at a round table for Once Upon a Time oh, a couple nice. of years ago here in New York. And listening to you talk then and hearing your director, I said, you know, it makes sense because you were actually talking like you understood character and you have to do that to direct. Yeah. So it seemed like a natural step for you to go into this role. Um, I think so. It felt very natural. I, I A lot of people kept saying, are you nervous? Are you scared? And I was like... No, I, I want to do a great job, but I feel ready. I felt like it was the right next thing to do. Um, and it was fun to feel in control of what I put out there. And Josh is a director as well, actor turned director as well. So we both have had this experience where oftentimes we have to serve someone else's vision as an actor. And there's a wonderful part to that and we enjoy that as well. But then there's something nice about knowing that you're in control of what you're saying as a director and what you're putting in the world is actually a cohesive piece of material that you go, I, I'm, this is what I'm trying to say and it's exactly what I'm trying to say. So um, I definitely enjoy the freedom of that and and preparing for it I mean just being on once upon a time and seeing other directors did you shadow them that kind of thing I didn't shadow any directors on once upon a time um, I kind of tried to put myself through my own version of film school I just took I started with a list of directors who I really admire and respect I started watching all their films in order and then I started reading as I would work through their films in order I would read everything I'd get my hands on of interviews and books and articles about them and some of the things I would go back and rewatch based on the articles and then I would move on to the next director and so I was taking extensive notes and really kind of just trying to consume as much film as possible. Um, I found a couple film history books. There's actually these bizarre documentaries. It's called something like... They're so worth finding. I've got to, I've got to find the real title because it, there's six of them. It's like a six-part miniseries. And, yeah, and it's like somebody went to film school and then just recorded everything that they were ever taught. But they also have very odd opinions about it. 
So occasionally they'll make these really grand, sweeping, bizarre statements, but in between is so much great information. So I've just been kind of trying to find my own way of um, consuming what I would consume in film school, basically. And then I, I spoke to a lot of directors that I respect that have directed the show. I got some advice from some of those directors. I was very lucky because a friend of mine is friends with Jason Reitman, and he was incredibly helpful. He was so generous to sit down and take some time and just talk me through what he felt like were usual pitfalls of a first-time director so I could avoid them, and I found that his advice was really helpful. Well, good luck, and I'm hoping that there's another season coming up. Oh, there is. <laughs> okay, I can tell you that. Thank you. Thank you. Look for Once Upon a Time on ABC. They're just about finishing up their season. And a series starting their new season is The Dead Files. Steve Deshavi and Amy Allen return. They spoke to us uh, reporters recently. And for those who don't know, Steve is a former NYPD homicide detective and Amy is a psychic medium. They travel to all new haunted locations on the show's season number seven, premiering this Saturday, April 25th. Hi, guys. I'm pretty excited about uh, this season. I you guys have been on quite a good roll. I just think the last few seasons, you guys have really been really top-notch, and you've become my favorite paranormal show on television. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Thank you. What's it like to investigate outside of the country, and particularly for you, Steve, because usually you deal with local authorities in the U.S. Is it a little different working with them in a different country? Yeah, Tony. Um, yeah, it was a little difficult. Logistically, it was a nightmare, but... um. Uh, what I found interesting is how passionate everybody in that country is about their history. Um, you know, they went through a lot in that country, and uh, everybody wants to talk about it, and everybody has an opinion about what happened in that country. So it was pretty exciting, and trying to get people to talk about it wasn't a hard part. It was just uh, getting the facts straight, because there's a lot of, um, what would you say, uh, rumor in that country that's not really factual. <laughs> Amy, for your walkthrough, uh, did you experience anything different, uh, being that it was a different environment that you were used to investigating? Um, yes. Um, <laughs> I definitely encountered um, individuals that um, were from time periods uh, that were <laughs> much further in the past uh, historically than what I'm used to dealing with uh, in America. Um you know, it, these people were, you know, ancient, uh, compared to, wow. uh, the entities that I encounter in America most often. And so that was interesting. And, um, also, uh, just seeing all of, you know, the trials and tribulations that, um, people went through and, um, just also the entities that were there that were non-human. Mm. Uh, were very different and very fascinating. Wow. Um, and there's these things that are the spiritual element that people still practice there. Um, and that's different than in America. They're much more open there, um, to dealing with these things, um, and appreciating their existence. Um, so that was fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's an interesting episode because of, um, the fact that where we investigated, they had a story they've been telling for years. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, they were a little annoyed with me because uh, <laughs> they weren't telling the right story. It was actually a fabrication of a couple of different stories that was totally untrue. So uh, 
I think I annoyed them a little bit with my uh, my investigation by bringing out the truth. I'm just wondering, for both of you, uh, what uh, what other cases do you have coming up this uh, this season? Well, for me, um, this was an interesting season that's uh, about to start airing. Um, we had a lot of uh, like we had a lot of intense walks for Amy, but uh, you know, on my end, that I can only answer would be some of the you know I had a I had a woman explaining what she was dealing with in her bedroom, explaining what she was seeing when she woke up, and when she did, she passed out right in my arms Whoa. during my interview. Uh, later on during the reveal, Amy had done a sketch, and it was exactly what this woman had been telling me, what she was seeing, and it was it was just eerie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kind of hit home with this woman, obviously. Uh, you know, I had another guy that spent over $100,000 on his own money um, investigating a double murder from back in the 40s that was unsolved. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty crazy stuff. And, you know, he had his opinion. And, of course, you know, I've, been, I've investigated a homicide or two, and I had my opinion. <laughs> um, so, you know, stuff like that is a pretty interesting, it's a, a pretty eclectic season coming up. Cool. And, and, Amy, is there, like, a process that you go through after a walkthrough to kind of, like, you know, detox and kind of get that out of your system a little bit? Uh, yes. Uh, and I'm being extremely vigilant this season. <laughs> um, so now what I do is I do my closing meditation. Um, I have uh, some kind of shaman, uh, medicine woman, or Reiki master come in and actually do a cleansing and a balancing and a detachment for me. Um, and I eat a lot and I sleep a lot and trying to go out into nature, um, so that I can really ground out. Um, so yeah, and still taking my baths and doing, you know, salt baths and burning my candles and sage and crystals and I'm, I'm doing it all. So yeah, and it seems to be working much, much better. So yeah. Well, great. Guys, I'm looking forward to another great season. I mean, I'd say the last three or four seasons, you guys are on quite a great roll, and it's always interesting and always leaves you with more questions after you watch your show. I appreciate that, Tony. This season is going to be pretty intense. I think uh, the fans are going to enjoy it. Thank you again, guys. Thank you. Look for The Dead Files this Saturday on the Travel Channel. Check those listings. And that is Time Capsule, Episode 189. And I'm Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Ernie Hudson, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. Hi, this is Lou Wagner saying please don't monkey around. Just listen to Sci-Fi Talk.